losses, three of those without a goal. After a good start to the year, Inter-Miami is in the midst of a free fall. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, the number one weekly and bilingual Inter-Miami-focused podcast, providing you with all the latest team news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one of your usual weekly co-hosts, and joining me is one of the other usual co-hosts, and that is Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajisita, who is a much tanner Ajisita because she hit the beach earlier this week with her family and Jose, and, well, she got a little sun-kissed. So, Andrea, welcome to another episode of Miami Total Football Radio. How are you doing? Are you sunburned or did you get it right and you're nicely tan? No, I am burned. I am <laughs> toasted. <laughs> Typical Miami fashion. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to do it halfway. We don't know how to have moderation. So that is exactly what happened to me this this week. But I am here. I am ready to roll. I am ready to talk about what is happening with this team, uh, what we think and... Uh, what can we expect for this game in the future? We're going to talk about it. And uh, listen, I am more, more, more spicy because I am burnt. I am toasted. <laughs> so let's get ready because we're going to add a little bit of spice this week. And el ají se está pelando o no? Is, is the pepper peeling? Yes or no? Not yet. Mm. No, not yet, not yet. Do you, Maybe. Ex- do you expect we'll to peel? We'll see Saturday. Yeah, we will see Saturday. We will see Saturday. It's a home game for Inter-Miami on Saturday, so you'll be in the press box, and we will see if you are indeed peeling by then. Like you mentioned, Andrea, we've got a good bit to talk about, as we normally do on this show, or on this week's show. We've got to talk about Inter-Miami's most recent loss. Yes, yet another one. We've got to talk about this... Malarracha, this bad run of form, this losing streak that they're on, the continued attacking issues, Joseph Martinez and his form, and of course we'll preview this weekend's game against the FC Dallas and do the Q&A session and, the, and our final thoughts after that. So Andrea, we've got a good bit to get to. We're doing the show a little bit later in the week just because of our schedules. So you ready? Let's do it. Let's roll. All right. Let's get to it. All right, let's just jump right into it. Jump right into it. So Inter-Miami suffers a 1-0 loss on the road to FC Cincinnati at TQL Stadium this past Saturday. The game-winning goal comes from Yersen Mosquera in first half stoppage time, 45 plus 5. So it comes off of a corner kick from Inter-Miami's left, FC Cincinnati's right, and it's to the near post. Mosquera clearly overmatching uh, DeAndre Yedlin from a physical standpoint and a height and size standpoint, and he heads the ball to the near post past Drake Callender. That's all she wrote in this one, and we will dive into the game as we normally do, as well as some of the post-game remarks. This was Inter-Miami's starting lineup in the match. Drake Callender in goal, back four. The usual suspects of DeAndre Yedlin, Sergi Kristoff, Christopher McVeigh, and Franco Negri. The first line of the midfield was comprised of Bryce Duke, who replaced Victor Ulloa, and Gene Mota. Second line of the midfield, you had Robert Taylor on the right wing, getting the start. Rodolfo Pizarro as the 10. 
Nicola Stefanelli now out on the left. And up top, you had Joseph Martinez. So, a shutout defeat for Inter-Miami. This, again, is their fourth straight loss. Third game out of those four in which the team has failed to find the back of the net. So, Inter-Miami has yet to score on the road this season, unless you want to count that Christopher McVeigh own goal against New York City FC. But, of course, I'm... You know, tongue-in-cheek, that does not count. So, Andrea, you watch the game. Your takeaways from yet another poor result for the Herons. Well, I wanted to, to talk to start talking about the lineup. Mm-hmm. Because um, the lineup surprised me. I'm going to tell you why. With two players. Because um, I expected Pizarro, we talked about this on the show the, last week, that Pizarro could play as a 10, he did, but I didn't expect Robert Taylor to come back from international duty where his team lost, where he had to travel and then come back and play on Saturday. It really surprised me when you have Ariel Lassiter there, uh, available, who didn't travel with his national team, who trained with the team the whole week, and you didn't use him. So that was the first thing that surprised me with the lineup. And second... Of all, it surprised me that he continues to play Duke at that midfield posi- position uh, besides Jan Mota. Who is he? Gregory. Say who he is because we haven't mentioned his name yet. Phil. Phil who? We need, we need the whole name. Give us the whole name. Phil Neville uh, keeps playing Bryce Duke in there that position. Go. All right. Nombre, uh, nombre y apellido, Andrea. Nombre y apellido. Phil tenemos. Neville, yes. Yes, Phil Neville keeps playing Bryce Duke in that position. And I don't think it works. It, it doesn't work for him. It doesn't work for a team. And I think it's been clear since the first time uh, the team and the technical staff tried it. And listen, I, uh, I am the first one, and we've argued this year on the podcast because I have depend- defended Bryce Duke and said that he deserves a chance. But I think he's being caught off because or like uh, not getting <laughs> the right side or the right technical decision by the coaches because he's being played in a position that is not his and he is not performing. He is not performing in that position. So it really surprised me when I saw the formation on that game on Saturday and Bryce Took was in that uh, central midfield position, in that five position, six position, uh, however you say in Spanish or in English. So it really surprised me. And it surprised me that Robert Taylor was starting after the trip and Ariel Lassiter didn't get a chance. So Robert Taylor, you know, he was back in training early in the week. So it wasn't like he lost a lot of the week. So I'm not, that, that one didn't surprise me too much. And it, and it didn't, it didn't bother me, especially once like I broke in the hours leading up to the game. Coco John, quarantine Coco John. See, I said nombre apellido, and then I don't, I don't do it myself. Uh, quarantine Coco John, as I reported before the game, was out with an injury. So the first match that the Frenchman did not start in and did not play in. So he missed this one with an injury that the team is saying is day to day. Can we believe it's actually day to day? We've talked about this. We've talked about Inter Miami and its secrecy about injuries. Nonetheless. Nonetheless, uh, back to the original point, it didn't bother me. It didn't surprise me that, that t- Taylor was going to start when Coco John's out. It was either going to be Taylor or Lasseter. 
Phil Neville went for the more technical player in Robert Taylor. So I don't don't uh, have any real criticism towards that decision. Bryce Duke, listen, Phil Neville is hamstrung a little bit right now due to injuries and player availability. But Bryce Duke hasn't been impressing, like you said, at the eight position. Clearly, he's not doing a very good job there. Uh, Pizarro, who's been playing out on the left, now back in the middle. Stefanelli was playing on the left of that second line of the midfield, but he wasn't playing on the wing. He was very, very tucked in, very narrow, taking up a lot of central positions, playing in the half spaces more often than not. So is that his best position? Is this is that what's going to work for the team? I, I mean, I liked what I saw from Stefanelli when he was playing in Chicago, but when he was a little bit wider, a little bit further out on the outside. He had more space to take players on. I don't know if the tactics are are at the absolute best right now in terms of what they're looking to yeah. do. Now, Phil Neville, we'll talk about his comments in a little bit here. He thought it was their best game of the season and that they dominated it. And listen, possession without production is useless. Is useless. And Inter Miami in this one did not generate a whole lot in the final third, despite having the ball for large stretches. And the attack continues to struggle. Joseph Martinez continues to struggle. Listen, for me, stylistically, like if I had my preference, I would say yes, I would rather have a team that bosses possession than a team that does not prioritize possession. Right, this is just from a stylistic standpoint. I like a team that has the ball. If you have the ball, the other team can't hurt you. That's my that's the way I view it, and that's my my personal philosophy. But you have to do something with the ball. You can't just have the ball and pass it side to side and never get into the final third and create dangerous chances. And Inter Miami didn't really create dangerous chances. Their best opportunity in this game came from a long range shot from Franco Negri in the yeah. 65th minute, maybe. Uh, that he rips from distance. Well, after from a col- good play, yeah. He collects, but he collects a lateral pass from I don't know 30, 30, 35 yards wide, or excuse me, out from goal, and he uncorks a hell of a shot, and it hits the crossbar and goes out. But that was their best chance, and that's una individualidad. That's just an individual yeah. play. It's not like combination passes. It's not uh, a through ball in behind. It's just one player taking a shot from distance. It wasn't intricate passing that got him open or anything. Like It's just a shot from distance. So the team, in general, is not functioning well, in the especially when it comes to that final third. We'll talk about the defense and the game-winning goal. Did I think Inter Miami had a bad game? No, I don't think they had a bad game. I think a draw could have been you know, a fair result. But it wasn't a draw. They gave up a set-piece goal, and they lost because they can't score. They cannot create dangerous opportunities consistently. And that is a problem that they're having. I think Phil Neville needs to go back to the drawing board and simplify things. Uh, look, if you're going to play a 4-2-3-1, get some wingers out there. Get some wingers that can give you something different because you might not have a whole lot of wingers, but get Ariel Lasseter back in there. I'm not saying he's going to be the hero. He's going to be Don the Don the Superman cape, but he'll help because he can stretch that back line. He can give you something different. We've talked about that midfield five that we've seen for much of this year and how similar they all are. In terms of, you know, what are their strengths? Exactly. Bryce Duke, Gene Mota, Rodolfo Pizarro, Nicola Stefanelli, uh, up until recently has been Coco Jean. 
this game, Robert Taylor, who I thought was invisible for much of the match. Uh, you know, if, if all these attackers are struggling to make an impact, then clearly something's not working. They're not clicking, but the, 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 there's a bigger picture there. And it's not clicking because of something, right? Now, are they too similar? I say I think so. I think they're way too similar. Uh, they don't offer you a whole lot of variety in terms of the attack. Now, I get, I think I get what Phil Neville's trying to do. He wants technical players in there that can combine and boss possession, and the idea is that they can progress the ball forward and then you know turn that possession into chances. But we're not seeing that. That's not what's being translated onto the field. So if that's not what's happening, you've got to switch it up. You've got to change it up. And just moving pieces around here. Again, Stefanelli, if you're going to play him out on the left, why have him so tucked in? So if Franco Negri can provide the width, okay, I get that. But then now again, you're you're doing you're putting players in positions that maybe they're not going to succeed in because yeah. Stefanelli's now not playing out on the wing where he's you know where he looked good against the Chicago Fire when he was out there on the left. You know he had more space to dribble at players. He looked more dangerous than he has at times. Pizarro as the ten had some moments, but still not great. The problem with Pizarro as a ten is that teams, for example, Cincinnati in this case, knows that the ball is going to pass through Pizarro. So they mark him with two men, with three men. And he was always surrounded. That is why the foul that was called a penalty and after revise on the VAR, that is a perfect example because that is what you get. Because then your tactics become too predictable. So it was predictable that Pizarro was going to be the number 10 and the, uh, the ball will have to pass through him. So he got two, three people on top of him. And Inter-Miami lost. They couldn't. Uh, pass that ball into the attacking third to Joseph Martinez. As you say, Miami didn't have a lot of opportunities. Just a lot of opportunities. They didn't create. So uh, I don't think they deserved to lose, but I don't think they deserved to win. Exactly. Because so that's what I'm they, saying. A, dr- a draw yeah. would have been a fair result. A draw yes. would have been a fair result. But listen, I've, I harp on set pieces, not because I'm a huge lover of set pieces, but because they are very crucial in games like this. They can prove to be yeah, the difference. They are an option, yes. Absolutely. you need to take advantage of Absolutely. And Inter-Miami, listen, through six games, has one set-piece goal, if I'm not mistaken. That was in the first game from Sergi Kristoff. After that, yet again, once again, team is struggling to score from set-pieces. Now, with the regards to the attack, and we're going to focus in on, on Joseph Martinez, but before we get there, with the attack, I think they've got to bring in Lasseter. I think Taylor on, on a wing... Uh, I know this game he wasn't great, but I think it's it's a, something that deserves another look, especially at at home from the start. Um, I think that's something you you got to look at. Pizarro, you know, I know you're defending him here, and I won't be overly critical. But how much of it is other teams double teaming him, and how much is it that he just holds onto the ball for way too long? And that's not that's just part of who he is and his playing style. It's just it's it's yeah, who, that's so, his playing style, and also. Like, but it doesn't, it's not—it's not necessarily the most effective way. It's not the most yeah. effective way to play, yeah. especially if you're playing the yeah. ten. So, uh, like, if he was more dynamic on the dribble, like if he was more explosive in terms of getting by defenders, if he could have like a quick burst or a quick acceleration, or okay. he, but he if doesn't he had have that. An, another striker. If there was another striker that could get down and get the ball, like Joseph used to be in Atlanta, maybe it could work a little bit, but. Listen, that is not the moment that Joseph is leaving. That is not the moment that Inter Miami is leaving. 
and, and they don't have Campana, so they don't have a lot of options. So uh, for me, I, I agree with you, and I have told you this a thousand times this season, Ariel Lassiter should get an opportunity to start because Ariel Lassiter proved last year that he was a valuable asset for this team. Mm-hmm. And the moment that we saw Stefanelli with Lassiter, with Pizarro, and then when Pizarro came off with, with, uh, with Bryce Duke uh, in the game with Chicago, were the the for in my personal opinion the most I've liked the team uh, in the pl- playing style in this in this last couple of games. So I think that is a possibility. And listen to me, if you if you are on the verge of losing your fifth game, you need to change. You uh, Inter Miami cannot come uh, the, uh, the, on the game on Saturday offering the same thing because it's clearly not working. So they need to change. They need to change. Now, what do you think, before we, we get to Joseph Martinez, what do you think it says about Ariel Lasseter that he's, I won't say he's deep down in the depth chart, but he's clearly not one of the preferred options and maybe not even like the first choice option off the bench. What do you think that says about well, him? Well, I think it's... Because Phil wants a nine, and Ariel Lasseter is not a nine, and he does. But even on the wings, but even on the wings, what do you think it says that yeah. he's not even like right? Taylor got the look over over Lasseter. What does that say? What do you think that says? I have my opinion on what I think it says, but what do you think it says? Um, I guess Phil doesn't like the way he's working, or doesn't trust him, or doesn't like him. Uh, he doesn't defend that much. I don't know. I really, I, I personally don't see what Phil is looking at by not putting Ariel Lassiter in. My personal opinion. So I think what it tells us is that Phil is very much, at least to this point, through six weeks of the regular season, prioritizing technique and technical players. Because Lassiter is not the most technical player. Is he explosive? Uh, Does he have some athleticism to him? Some size? Some strength? Absolutely. But he's not the most technical. And I think Phil is prioritizing technique and I get it. Listen, again, from a stylistic standpoint, I'd prefer to have a technical player in over uh, an athletic player. But you do need to have somewhat of a balance. And if the players you have out there are neither, uh, none of them possesses some athleticism that can help unbalance the defense, and none of them are exceptional creative players, then I think you're very much limiting tactically what the team's going to be able to do out there. And I think that's what yeah. we're seeing. I think that's what we're seeing. So uh, we'll yeah, maybe you could be right. You could be right. Well, let's go to Joseph Martinez because now he's, well, six weeks, but five games because he was away for international duty for one of these games. But five matches with Inter-Miami in the pink and black, zero goals. It's... Probably, I'm just going to say, I told you so. <laughs> it's probably as bad as anyone could have expected. It's probably as bad as you and Jose had said during preseason when I thought he was the number one option, that he would be, uh, he would revive everything this season. Right now, the signs are not pointing towards Even that. Even I didn't expect that it would be this bad, to tell you the truth. It's, it's gotten I off to it's... a very bad start. A terrible start. Yes. And I, this it game, has... this game for me, Andrea... Rewatching it again and seeing his movements and, and his body language, pauperrimo. Pauperrimo. Poor, poor, Listen, poor. People he, criticize Pizarro, have criticized Pizarro in the past, and, and 
and rightfully so in his times with Inter Miami in the past. But what Joseph showed in um, that game versus Cincinnati was a thousand times worse than what we've seen Pizarro or Iguain in his I, I, enojado days with the team. I, his, I, his think Pizarro, I think Pizarro is frustrating to, to a lot of people because he gets on the ball and he doesn't move it quickly and Pass. and mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it it's and, but he gets on the ball right so like it's it's mm-hmm. easier to see whereas with joseph because he doesn't get the ball you could say oh he started the service this and that this and like you don't see him as involved or as active yeah. so you don't get as frustrated but from what i saw again pauperrimo poor very yeah. poor uh did not see no did not see him defending him i had defended him like three podcasts ago because i thought he needs more time but listen, he went with the national team. I guess he felt more comfortable with the way they played. Well, I said I said it in the podcast after that that match where he scored. Maybe he feel he feels more comfortable with the way that the national team plays. Maybe he doesn't like the style. And listen, it's at this point it's his responsibility, but it's also up to the coach. Phil needs to make a decision. If he's going to keep him as his number nine, as his starting number nine, it is obvious that it is not working in this formation. So he needs to take make a decision if to keep trying with another formation or to save him. Well, I, I've because said I've said that for weeks now. His I've said that for job a few weeks. is on the line, Franco. For me, his job is on the line. If Phil loses on Saturday. It's beginning to 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 feel like these results are saca technical for me. So I don't I don't know if we can get that far yet, just because I don't think Inter Miami will make that type of change at this point. The in record season. is six 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 uh, right. The, the franchise record for consecutive losses in a row is six. Back in twenty twenty one, when Phil Neville was in his first season as head coach. Right now they're at four straight losses, so they're two losses away. From tying that ugly mark, but I don't think I don't think that Phil's on the hot seat just yet. Maybe I I don't I'm not saying he shouldn't be. I just don't think that he is. I don't think that he is. But going back to Joseph Martinez and just his lack of fight, his lack of intensity that I that I saw against FC Cincinnati. Like, I'm surprised Phil Neville didn't pull him. And I get it, like Phil Neville. This is and Phil Neville's played, gamble. Yeah. This is Phil Neville's gamble, yeah. right? Like from from my all accounts, Phil Neville's the one that wanted Joseph Martinez in this Inter Miami team this season. He said it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I they get both it. Said it, but at, but at, when it's clear that he's not delivering, yes. you you've got you need got, to make a decision. And I, listen, I, I get it. I get he's trying to manage probably personality. He doesn't want to you know sink his confidence, Joseph Martinez's confidence. But if he's not producing, you gotta make that decision. You've gotta put. You've got unless you want to live by the sword and die by the sword. You've got to. Exactly. You've got to make decision. But I think he. he I think he has a lot more Saturday. time. I think he's got a lot more time. A lot more time, especially you know with the injuries. Like Inter Miami will see that, and and even though publicly they've said, oh, those aren't excuses, which I absolutely think they're not excuses, because I think in el escasez, in in when you're in short supply as a coach, I think that's when you really show your worth yes. and whether you are a good coach. If you can make uh, gold out of crap. And I'm not saying yeah. Inter Miami's yeah. crap. But they're missing Gregor or they're missing Campana. So what you mean is that they're missing important pieces. 
and they have to make. But there's not like it's it. not like this team. And it's not like this team doesn't have talent still on the roster. Like exactly. this team should be doing better than it is. That's why. I, that's why I, maybe my comparison of gold to crap doesn't doesn't fit here because I think Inter Miami, the team that they have, is capable of more. And I think Phil Neville's yes, not getting yeah. is not getting it right, and hasn't found it. I agree. Uh, the right balance, the right uh, connections. The right partnerships on the field. Now, with Joseph Martinez, Listen, again, go, had, go back to Joseph. He had an idea with the diamond. Unfortunately, the diamond depended on a man that got injured before the first game, and that is Leonardo Campana. And after that, he chose another formation that, at the beginning, it worked. But when you, lo- you, when you lost Gregory, it stopped working because Gregory is a very difficult player to um, um, replace. So they haven't replaced him. They haven't even replaced Campana. Now you get this, uh, when you cha- when he changed the formation, he got another injury. So I don't think he thought that he needed to change the formation. Again, he didn't, he didn't think that he needed to change tactics again. But in this point, I think he, had, he has had to realize after watching the video, after watching performances, after watching Joseph, after watching... All of that that we have been talking after watching another defender scoring, after watching another goal from a set piece, etc., etc., he has to think and he has to obviously feel has uh, played football and grown as a coach in a European mentality and feel, I know he's thinking, oh my God, if I lose another game, my job may be in danger, I need to do something, I need to try something, because I don't think he likes losing. So he, he, I think this game against Dallas is a new beginning. It's his opportunity to show that he's willing to change. Because as he has you to said, change. He if, has to change because he's, he's he banging his head against the wall. Exactly. Exactly. He cannot continue to keep doing the same thing, especially with the attack, especially with Joseph Martinez. He needs to try another formation. He needs or to try another formation or to bench Joseph Martinez and try something else. Um, look for options. Listen, look for options at this moment if Campana is not 100% fit. Uh, the coach and the tactical team, they need to look for another option. Ariel Lassiter or Gacaba, Borgelin, who, Stefanelli, Coco Jean. Well, Coco is now injured. He needs to try another thing. Because, listen, this game against Dallas is also going to be a difficult game. So they won't have it easy. They won't have it easy. And um, as I as I said, I think it's the moment to show that you can grab these men, these men that you have in your order, and make them believe that this team can start getting results again. So back to Joseph, because we we have to round out the thought there. He had a chance in the fifth minute off of one of Inter Miami's best sequences in this game for me. Where Franco Negri has the ball down the left flank near midfield, near the midfield line, but out on the left. He plays a back pass to Christopher McVeigh. Negri then makes a darting run forward as McVeigh hits a pass into space, a heck of a through ball from the center back, into space behind the Phil- uh, Philadelphia, former Philadelphia Union, current FC Cincinnati right back, Ray Gaddis. Into the open space, Negri gets on the end of it, races towards goal at, on a diagonal run with the ball, and then plays a lateral plas, pass to Joseph Martinez. Just inside the top of the box. Joseph Martinez, you would expect to put that shot on frame. What does he do? 
He completely flubs the opportunity. The ball doesn't even go forward, I think. I think the ball pounced, bounced backwards towards Franco Negri just because of how uh, poorly the timing was. And again, going back to what I said a bit ago. Phil Neville is banging his head against the wall with the tactics and with Joseph Martinez up top as an end. I get it. You don't want to sink his confidence, especially a striker like the Venezuelan who is very... Who is very ajicito. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a word. There's a word. Who's very... It's going to come to me later. But who's very, of course, dependent on his confidence. Very dependent. And if you bench him, I can see that, you know... I can see why Phil Neville doesn't want to do that. But if it's not happening, it's not happening. And it's not happening right now. And something that this might be a hot take and some people might think it's it's exaggerating or not. But something that rubbed me the wrong way was on Wednesday seeing Joseph Martinez retweet a photo of him at some event, some party with like other uh, Venezuelans, I guess. And all smiles. And like happy as can be. I don't know. It just to me, it's like you're not doing your job well, but you're out. out and you're, hey, listen, you're you're a human being. You can go and enjoy your life, but to like publicly post that and share that when you're like not in your best moment on the field. I mean, maybe that's what he needs to to try to raise his confidence and stuff. But I don't know. It just it it doesn't tell me that he's like a hundred percent focused on trying to get out of this rough moment like maybe he's he's tal pasada here in, in, in inter miami and he's he's just along for the ride i don't know that's that's what it comes off like to me that's again and you you could think that that's uh a hot take or not but that's just how i, I perceive it like after a loss right like like imagine after a, directly after a loss you see a player post a picture of himself just like you know celebrating you know like it, it just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't give me like great sensations and again that's just me that's just that's just my opinion. So uh, I think I, I've said it for a few weeks now. I think it's time that you you give him uh, you some time on the bench, let him come off the bench. Maybe that role will suit him, and maybe that's what helps him get, find his rhythm and regain his confidence and his hunger. Because again, the overall, not just the performance, but the demeanor, the attitude that I saw, I didn't see a very competitive and very inspired Joseph Martinez out there. And I I get it. I know he's low on confidence and Inter Miami as a whole is not playing well in the attack. But I think part of it is, a big part of it is up top with that number nine. The ball, when it does get there, the few times it's getting there, it's, it's being wasted. I, I felt like Joseph Martinez in this game was a black hole. Like just, plays went there to, to die. Like it just was not working. Um, a lot of like poor passes and, and it just it just didn't work. So I think Borgelin, really, I, I think, think Borgelin's up. I think it's time. And I think Phil Neville, with what he said post-game... You need to make that decision. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think post-game, when Phil Neville says, you know, today it was about putting the ball in the back of the net, and that's why we lost, and, you know, that the attacking players have to do their part. They've invested a lot of money in the final third, and they have to deliver, and that he believes that they will score goals, etc., etc., etc. I think now the idea... The door has opened in Phil Neville's head for the idea to potentially bench Joseph Martinez. I, I think it's now a more realistic possibility. He I, should do it. I told you already. He should, or he saves his job, or he keeps going with the same thing. 
and that's going to get him fired in the long run because if he continues with the same, the team is not going to win. The results, the answer is not that formation, that tactic is not the answer. In this moment, with all the players that are injured and everything that you have missing, that is not the answer. So he needs to make that decision like he did last year with Gonzalo. Then he brought him back when he needed him. He needs to make that decision right now with Joseph Martinez. And I think the game against Dallas is the game to make that decision. Andres, is Joseph, and is Joseph Martinez in the best, from what we saw a few weeks ago, is Joseph Martinez in tip-top shape? No, he's not. He's not 100%. He, he is. He does not on, look, he does not look physically like a no, professional he, footballer. He does not look like a professional player right now. I don't think he's bad or anything like that. He's just like he's out of shape, out of form. He and I, I agree with you that he should be a little bit more committed. But listen, this is MLS. That is the problem, and that is something that Joseph is missing. That pressure, that that passion, maybe, is also missing for him to get serious and to get committed, fully committed with this team. So that is another aspect that is not helping for his adaptation here in South Florida because no one he posts that picture, but ha other than us. Who is talking about it? Yeah, no one. I mean, but not everyone will see it like us. But I do agree. I'm with you that I think the lack of pressure, I don't know if I compare it to the South and Central America type of pressure, but I think the lack of pressure to perform and the nonchalantness that exists about, eh, okay, whatever, they lost, no big deal. I don't think that that's necessarily bringing out the best Joseph Martinez. Right? In, yeah. a in Atlanta, he was playing in front of 50,000, 60,000 people exactly. uh, at, the, at the pinnacle of their, uh, of their peak so far. Uh, as as a franchise in, in the early years, and listen when and there when and he, there was pressure to deliver, and there was pressure to exactly. deliver every single and week, when, and that brought and that helped bring he, out the best of him. Yeah, exactly. And when he fought with the coaches, he got coaches fired because the fans were behind him. He got the coaches fired. He got everything he wanted in Atlanta because people supported him and people put that pressure on the team on the manager. Here, he doesn't have that. He does. He's, he got here and he saw how things are here. So he's not feeling that pressure from that side. He's not feeling the pressure from maybe a contractual side because he only has one year in his contract. He doesn't even have an option. So that pressure is not there for him. So that Joseph that I saw with Venezuela and that Joseph that I saw with Inter Miami are like two completely different players. And, and that is preoccupying because as a player, as a professional, you have to keep the same level every time you play. So hopefully for him, he gets better because we know what he is capable of doing. But Phil cannot wait for that to happen because if he waits, he is going to, in my opinion, lose his job. The team is going to keep losing and the playoffs are going to get further and further away. Even though with the format, You should, we expect that Inter Miami to go to a players easily, but if they continue this run, they are going to pay in 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 playoff time. They are going to pay it and not go to the playoffs. So they don't have the in this moment they don't have the luxury to wait for a player to to perform. So, in, in, that is my opinion. So in, Inter Miami is in tenth place now, so they're one point away from the ninth place spot, which is the last playoff position in the Eastern 
conference. There's still a lot of games left to go. I don't share your opinion that if he keeps losing that he'll get fired. I think he'll Inter-Miami will give him most of the season, especially mid-season when you've got to expect there will be at least one reinforcement uh, of note brought in. I think, again, because of the players that are injured and, and you know, the team missing some some of the starting caliber players, I think that that will, in the bigger analysis, be taken into account. Um, so I don't think he's going anywhere, even if they tie this losing uh, record in franchise history or even if they surpass it. I just I don't see him getting let go like that. I think they'll give him much of the season, if not all of it, uh, and then make a decision. Now... Let's listen to something that Phil Neville said after this game. Because he was pretty defiant after the game in terms of his, his thoughts on the match and how well he thought Inter-Miami played. This is what he had to say, or part of what he had to say. I thought we dominated the game. I thought we were the better team by far, by far. Uh, we, we were always going to struggle. We were always going to struggle from set plays with the team that we had out against the team. But I, I, thought, I thought my players played with so much courage, bravery, fight, I, w- I was, I think it's been, I felt as if it was one of our best performances of the season, uh, we deserved to, to get something out of the game, I thought we deserved to win the game, and uh, we feel, we feel really, really disappointed uh, to come away with no points. Andrea, we both have said that we did not think a draw would have been an unfair result, right, like we both think that that would have been, okay. Right, that would have been okay based on the balance of play. Cincinnati wasn't great either. But this goes back to what I said earlier: possession without production does not make you a better team. Just because you have the ball and you can knock it around and and look pretty doing it, doesn't make you the better team. You have to do something with that ball. The point of having the ball is to score. Is to score <laughs> exactly like when you grow up as a kid, and this is why my my philosophy and how I view the game is like I would like a team that has possession. Like if I was a coach, I'd be like, all right, I want to have a possession-based team. But you have to do something with that possession. And the, the reason for that is because when you're a kid, you want the ball, right? You're playing with the ball in the backyard or you're going, you're, even if you're alone, you, you're with the ball. You're not playing without the ball. You're playing with the ball. So that is where you you have the joy, the fun, you get your touches in. Like that That is where I think you get your most satisfaction as a player. So... I don't disagree with the idea to boss possession, but that has to produce. You have to progress the ball into the final third. Now, there's no true playmaker, and there's no true wingers, at least right now, that we've seen consistently. That has to change. The number nine, I think, has to change. I think a good bit has to change for Inter-Miami. Because just having the ball and knocking it around, and it's something that, listen, I'm a fan of Peru's national team, and they have incredibly technical players that are fascinating to watch and obviously it's a bit of a higher level but there's games where for all the great technique the way they can pass a, a hard ball out of the air uh, on a one-time effort like the you know some some of that stuff like as a, a football fanatic like it makes me salivate because like dang that's that's not easy to do and the 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 abilities that they have to do that is impressive but sometimes they have games where they just get stuck lateralizando passing sideways and backwards way too much Mm -hmm. and that's what's happened to inter miami in this game they just passed the ball from side to side yes they tried to get forward but they didn't penetrate they didn't get into that final third often enough and in threatening enough positions often enough that has to change 
If you have to give up a little bit of the prioritizing in possession to become a little bit more penetrating, to become a little bit more dynamic, to bring in a player like Ariel Lassiter, then I think that's what you've got to do. Because this game, again, has shown. Inter Miami can knock the ball around. That's, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And that's a good weapon to have. Because guess what? At some point, if Inter Miami's protecting a lead, keeping the ball is a good yeah, way to defend that lead. It's, good, mm-hmm. it's a good way to defend and protect that lead. Absolutely. But right now, in terms of finding the goal and finding scoring chances, it's not it's not working. I don't know if you have anything to add there. Otherwise, we'll we'll move forward. Yeah, you said it. One hundred percent agree with you. Okay, so let's quickly touch on the goal that Inter Miami gave up. Dive into that. Analyze that a little bit here. I know you're being critical of it. I'll be critical of it, but in a different way. I think yeah, you'll look at it at the, from the, the point of view that it's a set piece. <laughs> no, no, no. They are too small. Well, yes. Well, that's true. There you go. You beat me. <laughs> yes. I. I mean, I think it's a byproduct of just one of Inter Miami's weaknesses, and that's that they don't have a whole lot of height. We said this during the game, or after the podcast, following the preseason finale against Austin FC, especially Jose and I, because Jose and I were in the press box that game. I believe you were down below uh, shooting from the field. We noticed when Inter Miami came out um, for the the pregame anthem, this team is not blessed with a whole lot of height. And the team that started on Saturday against FC Cincinnati was not blessed with a whole lot of height. I think the only two players you could consider tall in the in the starting <laughs> field players, right? Not Jerry Calendar, but the starting field players, the ten of them, were Christopher McVeigh and Sergey Kristoff, the two center backs. Yeah. Besides that, everyone else isn't blessed with a whole lot of height. I'm not blessed with a whole lot of height, so I'm not even like trying to be judgy or anything. But from a, just a sheer matchup standpoint, it's not going to go in their favor more often than not if you have these matchups. And that's what happened on the goal. Mosqueda, yes. Mosqueda, Mosqueda. How much like bigger is Mosqueda than DeAndre Yedlin? Yes. A lot bigger. Almost. A lot bigger. So. De- DeAndre, so DeAndre Yedlin wasn't even in the. DeAndre Yedlin wasn't even contesting. That header. It was it was practically and he an jumped. open header. And exactly. he tried to go for the ball. <laughs> no, like so. I'm not criticizing the other end for not being tall, but I think this is a byproduct of Inter Miami just not be, not having a whole lot of height. Something Phil Neville, very briefly but honestly mentioned when I asked him post game about the goal, because he said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, we were always going to have str- trouble, or we were always going to struggle with the set pieces. And that, to me, that's because he's alluding to the fact that this team is not very tall, generally speaking. Yes. So they yeah, got the end, and they and they gave up a set piece goal as a result. Now, Joseph Martinez could have done a little bit better there at the near post, but again, also another player that's not blessed with a whole lot of yeah, of height. Like, however, that was not good, good, good playing by Joseph Martinez either. So, however, I was going to say this: one of the bright moments for me for Joseph Martinez in this game was in the first half when he leaped. To get a floated cross to the back post, I think it was from Robert Taylor, and he got over. He jumped up well for that one, and he got over mm-hmm. FC Cincinnati center back Nick Hagland. And the header was poor. The header was, you know, it lacked both precision and power, and it just kind of floated over the crossbar. But the way Joseph Martinez exploded up into the air and was able to get that that power underneath him to make that jump and get that get that vertical over a center back who's taller than him shows me that he still has that in him. On the set piece, he was, you know, as the number nine, he's covering 
the near post because you don't want the number nine defending and marking someone. You know, you just want them at the near post to clear the the ball if it uh if it's poorly hit. But he just didn't didn't make a good read, didn't even make an effort to jump there, and yeah, it just it just wasn't wasn't pretty. It wasn't yeah, pretty. But yeah, I, I, I chalk it up but I chalk it up to the lack of height overall, which is it's gonna happen because this team just doesn't have doesn't have the tall guys. It's like it's like asking a team full of tall people to 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 be uh, super agile. Like it's just super agile. Right, it's, it's just and you different. know sometimes with these teams that have a lot of players that are not tall, who usually are attacking players that are good, usually teams like that get um, the back four that are tall that are. Like that, Inter Miami tried to do it because Christophe is tall, but they lost his their tallest guy in Damian Lowe. So uh, they got they have that disadvantage. Yet Linen Negri are not as tall, so the defense is lacking in height, as you said. But also they are lacking because when whenever a set piece came, uh, Campana and Gregory were also tasked with defending. And right. They are tall players. They are t- a big bodies. Not big as fat, but you know, tall. Uh, and <laughs> they were tasked with defending, with helping the team. So the defense looked better. That is why in the in the first two games they 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 look better. And they don't have Campana coming down to help in set pieces with his big. I was going to say his big frame, big his, big, body. <laughs> his big frame, his big frame, his big frame, exactly. To be polite, Campana at the near post instead of Jose Martinez, and again. Campana wasn't healthy enough to, to be in uniform yet. Chances are that he should be in uniform on Saturday against FC Dallas. But Campana at the near post, I think he clears that. Or at least helps yeah, challenge he, for it. He would, yeah, he would, he would at least put his body to, to try and get the ball, to try and desviar line, to try to whatever. But Inter Miami, listen, uh, as we have been talking, the injuries have crippled them. And uh, I can't wait to talk about the game with Dallas because... I think a solution against Dallas, who has a very good attacking uh, team, can be uh, bringing, like Jose said last week, bringing another central defender, going back to that back five and bring a, a sailor to to add a little bit more height and to add a little bit more stability and more um, defensive power to the play. So I'm not I'm not a, I'm not bothered by the defense though. I think the defense is doing okay. You give up one goal on the road, okay. I mean, against one of the top teams that ended up finishing the week uh, as the top team in the Eastern Conference, I, I'm okay with that. I, and again, the goal came off a set piece in which it reminded me for me is just outmatched physically. And, you know, there's not much really you can do about that except uh, try to be smarter because physically you just, there's not much you can do. Yeah, look, and Inter Miami has six goals this season. So for me, six goals scored. For me, the issue is not at the back. I think that the back defense has its own weaknesses. And I mean, I'm not saying they're flawless, but to me, the problem's up front. That's where Inter Miami's biggest problems lie right now, in my opinion. Andrea, you said you wanted to talk about the FC Dallas game? Biggest. Biggest, absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. Andrea, you said you want to talk about the FC Dallas game? It's time. Let's talk about the FC Dallas game. FC Dallas visits Inter Miami at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Saturday night. FC Dallas has a two win, two draw, two loss record. They're in sixth place in the Western Conference. They've scored eight goals this season. They've given up seven. So they have a plus one goal differential for all you mathematicians. Uh, They're coming off a 1-1 draw at home against Portland. Prior to that, they lost 
two to one away to LAFC, and before that they won at home two to one against Sporting Kansas City. So FC Dallas has been up and down this year. They do have some interesting players. Andrea, what do you expect from Inter Miami in this one? And what is the key to the game for the South Florida side? The key for me is going to be the changes that Phil Neville does in attack. For me, if we see Joseph Martinez again as the starting striker in this team, it's going to be a bumpy 90 minutes. If we see something different, I think Inter Miami will have that element of surprise against FC Dallas, and they could get the three points. But for me, if Joseph starts, then we will see more of the same, more of missed opportunities, most of more of missed chances, more of the same that we've been seeing in the last two games. So for me, the key to the game is defend intelligently and change the lineup. Change the lineup. Change the lineup. That is the key to the game for me. If you present the same thing that you've been presenting, Nico Esteves will already know he needs to double team, triple team Pizarro. He needs to kick a little bit to Stefanelli and he will neutralize this team. So you need to change the lineup change the line last week i said my key to the game was that i thought joseph martinez needed to score a goal because i didn't see inner miami holding cincinnati to zero and i didn't see inner miami walking out of there with with something if they didn't score joseph martinez didn't score they didn't score and they came up with nothing so yes i'm patting myself on the back there but i'm saying that because what i think the key to the game here is phil neville's not the formation. I think the 4-2-3-1 is the way to go. That's, that's just my opinion. But I think the key to the game, like you just mentioned, is the lineup selection. Is Phil Neville going to be testarudo? Is he going to be stubborn and continue on with the same thing, like you just mentioned, over and over and over again despite the lack of results and the lack of performance levels being delivered? Because listen, if Joseph Martinez isn't scoring, absolutely, like we've said on this pod, he deserves the criticism because he's the one out there playing. But if he's not performing and he's not producing and Phil Neville continues to turn on him, at some point you got to point the finger at Phil Neville for continuously going to someone that's not showing you signs that he's going to find the back of the net. Now, I said this, I tweeted this after the loss on Saturday, this past Saturday. Inter Miami badly needs a little campana to get and stay healthy. Yeah. Because Joseph Martinez is still a ways away uh, from finding his even close to a shell of the player he was. I was going to say his best version, but I don't think we're going to see that best version uh, again. Might see his flashes, but I don't think we'll see that best version again. Campana should be, good news for Inter Miami, should be in uniform on Saturday. So I doubt he starts. I doubt he starts because he was, again, he was not in uniform this past Saturday. So he's not going to be... Right, he's not going to be match fit. That would be risky to start him. (laughs) Absolutely, he's not going to be match fit and you don't want to risk him coming out, overdoing it, overloading him, and then he gets injured again. That would be the absolute worst thing that could happen. So I think you'll see him, I think he'll come off the bench. So who could come in? Who could come in? Because if I think the key to the game is the lineup selection... Wow. 
<laughs> what are you wowing, Andrea? Why are you wowing? We agree on something. Oh. Wow. Okay. 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 Well, listen. But we all right. So we got to We've got to say, you know, what we what we think, what we think could work, right? Because if if I'm gonna say that I think Phil Nova has got to get the lineup right, then we've got to throw out some suggestions for what we think. I think Schneider Borgelin up top as the nine if they stay in this four two three one, which I expect them to. And I would say Ariel Lasseter on the right wing. Mm-hmm. I could see Pizarro getting dropped. I could see Pizarro getting dropped. I think, I think, yeah, I think I could see that. I don't think he's been playing poorly, but he's not doing enough in the final third either. He's not doing enough. He's got one assist. His only goal contribution this season is that assist that he got to Coco John in the first game of the season that wasn't even an actual pass. And that's it. That's all he's contributed in the final third. Again, it's not on any one player, but the fact that Phil has pulled him early in back-to-back games or earlier than others, I think that it's a possibility that he gets benched, definitely plays the 10, and you could have Robert Taylor uh, on the left. Or you could have Taylor on the right and Lasseter on the on the left. Either way, I think we could see Pizarro get benched. I don't think I would drop him, but I, I think we could see that. Victor Uyoa for Bryce Duke, I think, is another option. That, that, well, I for think, me, uh, that is Cantal. Well, we'll see, because Victor Uyoa started the last home game. It didn't overly impress, so they went back to Bryce Duke against Cincinnati, so we'll see what Phenomenal does, but I do think Bryce Duke hasn't looked all that great, so I think yeah. Oyoa could could come back in there. I think the back line stays the same. Those are those are the changes I could see. Um, I definitely think they need a, a different number nine. Definitely need to bring on Lasseter to provide you a different look. And I think Bryce Duke needs to needs to go back to the super sub role and bring in Victor Yo. I know Victor Yo is not flashy. He's not sexy uh, in terms of what he provides on the field, but he can give you a, a better balance. I know he's not maybe doesn't fit the technique and the the possession that maybe Inter Miami's looking for, but you need to have a balance. And I think bringing him back in helps in that regard. I wouldn't drop Pizarro, but I could see that happening. I could see that happening. I could see two. I agree with you with, with some of the things that you say. I could see two options. Like I said, first, maybe he brings um, a third central defender going back to the back five. I don't that see that. I don't option. see that. I don't, I don't see him doing it because I thought he would have done it in this game against Cincinnati, if, if at all. But I don't see it. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because he's become so attack-minded that I don't think he's going to go too far away from that. I don't, like It would be like a 180. It, I mean, it's, hey, I guess it's possible. Anything's possible. But it would be such so a me, drastic change. I just don't see it. For a result, the need for a result for me could... At home? At home? To bring back that back At home, yeah, though? Yeah. Well, listen. He needs the result. I could see that. But the other option, I agree with you, that... I don't think Pizarro is getting dropped because, just because uh, Corbin Jean is injured. We mm-hmm. don't know if he, he will be available on Saturday. But I don't think he's dropping Pizarro just because of that. I think Ariel Lassiter is going to start on place for Joseph Martinez. And we can see Robert Taylor starting again with Nicolás Stefanelli and Rodolfo Pizarro as a 10 again on the other side and Robert Taylor on the other side and uh, Pizarro as a number 10 I see him drop if he doesn't use a back five I see him and he keeps the same formation I see him bringing in Victor Ulloa for Bryce Hook and then 
uh, bringing in Ariel Lassiter for uh, Joseph Martin. One, one more thing I'll say about what I think we could see. Again, I think Pizarro could get dropped if he does. I could see Bryce. It's Duke. A possibility. I could see Bryce Duke playing the ten. I could see Bryce Duke getting the chance to play the ten. Stefanelli on the left, and and Ulloa in central midfield next to Jean Mota. I think that's a possibility. It I, could be a possibility. He has the talent, but I don't think he has shown. I don't. Again, I'm not saying what I would do. I'm not saying what I would yeah. do. I'm just saying yeah. what like what Phil Nuttall yeah, and his staff might be considering. Listen, he. That is the thing when you have with that amount of players that can play with the ball. And that was one of the keys when we did that first podcast that we did predictions and we were talking about what Inter-Miami would look like. We said, we you have players that touch the ball. And I even said it. You have Pizarro, you have Stefanelli, you have Bryce Stug, you have Corentin John, you have even the youngest players like Ascona, Kremaschi, and, and the players that are coming behind that are good with their feet. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked because as we discussed in the past segment, possession without goals means nothing. So hopefully uh, this lineup is, for me, crucial for Inter-Miami for the season, especially as you said, and I had forgot to mention that they have a bye week, so it's important for them to get at least a point and it will be massive for them to get a win before being off for uh, their bye week. Yeah, so it, it would do important. great. It would do great for morale. Yeah. Because they, they, you go two weeks without a win. The, the, and the, listen, that then feeling you don't get gonna... a free day. You don't get based off because you have to go training. And if you get the three points, then players can get some time off, depressurized, and the ambience also. With, Just the mood. With the, the, group mood the mood. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You have belief going into the break as opposed to feeling having that sinking feeling knowing there's like so much you know, there's, exa- exactly. going into that into the break with that is not would not be good for for the team locker room and um just the overall vibe and the mood around the team so we'll see what happens with me on saturday they return at home where they normally have been strong but they did lose the last game there to the chicago fire so andrea let's take a break we'll come back for a q a session and our final thoughts we'll do that after this time and we've got a good few questions but you know we can only get to a couple especially if we're going to hit our 110 mark that we try to hit and we don't normally hit but we're close this time i think we can make it uh so let's go with first question lloyd halebrun he says after watching martinez walk around the field for 90 minutes last saturday night my question is why does this team have a fascination with washed up players (laughs) and i think he's alluding to (laughs) <laughs> well, I would say, you know, between, I guess what he's alluding to is Martinez, Higuain, Matuidi. Um, you couldn't call Pizarro washed up because he was no, in, in when his, he came, he was he in his prime. Um, so I get, I get the question. Look, I think Inter-Miami, part of it is that they need stars. And 
they haven't been able no to get. No one young is willing to come. Not for the money. Not fun. for the money that they want. Not for the money that they've been able to pay, or you know, they haven't been able to convince anyone yet. Um, who's yeah. who's you know in the peak? Um, no, no, Sebastian Giovinco's. Um, I think they they've gone for for some name recognition, some uh, star power, but had to do it within you know their within their realistic reach. And, and this is what they've gotten. Now, you could argue if that's the right approach or not. I, I'm open to hearing that. I do think that they, I do think South Florida and Inter-Miami need star power. Right now, there's no star on the team. And I think that's being reflected in more than one way. Um, not necessarily fan interest, at least to this early point in the season. But I could say this. I can say, look, post-game, on Saturday, and yes, it was a big day for South Florida sports with FAU and and the University of Miami both in in the Final Four of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Uh, you know, there was also uh, the Miami Open going on, so you know it was a big weekend for sports. But there weren't the that Marlins. many. The wow. Mar- the Mar- there were right, but there was and the Heat, the Heat won on Saturday, so it was a big day. But there was not a whole lot of media doing press post game. Yeah. As a matter of fact, post-game press conference with Serhi Kristof, I was the only one that asked questions. I asked three questions. That was the whole interview post-game with Serhi Kristof. Because interest in the team is down, generally speaking. Like the YouTube numbers that we have, like for the interviews and stuff, that's gone down from where it was last year. I think the lack of star power is, is, is part of that. You need uh, a star in Miami. Listen, I, you need I a agree, star yes. in Miami. That yes. is the... End of it, the Heat needed a star. They brought Jimmy Butler. The Miami Dolphins needed a star. They have Tua and other players. Tua's not the a Martins star. Have... Tua's not a star. Come on. I mean, I guess he's a star, well, relatively speaking. But um... At least for interest. When you talk about Tua, you get a thousand retreats or, <laughs> or people insulting you. But with Inter-Miami, that is what I was... Uh, remember, we talked about it in the, in the first segment when I told you, Joseph doesn't feel that pressure. Because in Atlanta, he did. Because people were first supporting him, then they turn on him, then they and with that you feel that as a player you feel that and you feel that as an institution as a coach and unfortunately here in South Florida you need to bring a star player to get that from fans because this town is like that we like flashy people we like we like to be bamboozled even if they don't win a a ring or whatever. We like having those type of players here. We, we like style and, and, and substance. We like style and substance. We need we need all of it exactly. here. Exactly. And unfortunately, Inter Miami doesn't have that player in this moment. They thought maybe Joseph Martinez could fill that void with the Venezuelan community. It has not because the com- also you can bring a name, you can bring a country, but you need to cater and be a little bit more intelligent. Like, for example, I have ha- had this conversation with you, Franco. Why didn't they bring your compatriot, my favorite Peruvian player, even though if he's old, he is still with 40 years old scoring goals in, in, in competition <laughs> Copa Libertadores. He's, yeah, he scored tonight. Exactly. Paolo, Paolo Guerrero Paolo, scored tonight. I Paolo think, Paolo no, Guerrero. but I think, he's, I think he's too old to, to come to MLS. Yeah, yeah, you can say he's too old, but that is a name that will bring you people here. Like Radamel Falcao Garcia. Is right, but, the, but the point, the point of the question is that yeah. why are they bringing up washed up players is the, is the phrase. And again, I think yeah. that they're 
They're trying to bring in star power to, to draw butts and seats that they think could also perform, but it just hasn't yeah. panned out. They haven't they haven't hit a a home run home run. Iguain finished. A lottery. Listen, this is a lottery. Yeah, but you gotta this you gotta you gotta raise your chances. You gotta raise your chances of making sure that the signing you bring on board is is a good fit and it's going to work. Look with Iguain, yeah. he finished his time in the Inter Miami Pink and Black on a high note. But if you on take the, note, if yeah. you take the balance of his two and a half seasons, it's not it's not a positive. It's not a positive. He didn't deliver, uh, in my opinion, anywhere close to and enough consistency. What Iwain brought at least was attention. He yeah, didn't exactly. bring a title. Now, there's no, there, now, now, now you don't have anything. Uh-huh. Now you don't have exactly. that. All right. Speaking of star players, question from Joseph E. Or Joseph Jean is the at, which longtime listener of the show. He says, so with Messi more than likely not signing with Inter Miami in the summer of 2023, Al Halal's ridiculous $400 million a season like shocked emojis. What position should we look to fill immediately in the summer? Listen, I won't rule out Messi. Like every day there's a new Messi report. I just read one before we started the pod about how Inter Miami is going to offer him ownership, uh, which <laughs> didn't, it didn't even have any quotes or anything. It's just, it's just another rehash of something we've already heard. We've, we've heard that before that, you know, Messi's going to get the sweetheart deal offer and include ownership. That's, that's definitely made the rounds. Those whispers have made the rounds. So, it's it, it's it was a report, if I'm not mistaken, from the Independent, which is a, a reputable UK outlet. But it's like every day we hear something new, and it's going to be like that until the day he decides where he's going, uh, whether it's all in, into Miami, PSG, Man City, Barcelona, uh, Al Hilal, whatever, whatever you want. We're gonna hear something new about Messi. I wouldn't rule it out. What? But what position to answer your question? Would uh, I look to sign if Messi's not coming? Me personally, I go for an attacking midfielder. That's what I would do. Andrea, quickly, what position? Yes, at 10. At 10. Okay. All right. Last one. We'll do one more. And it's from Elder Bar. And he says, why am I always late to these? I guess he's, yeah, he tweeted it uh, an hour ago. Pizarro is a key player at this point, but that's not saying much. League is constantly double teaming that dude. And if he comes down, there's no one to receive it. Is Inter Miami really that bad? So again, I think Pizarro has had his positives as well as his negatives. I, I, he definitely puts in the effort. He's definitely um, hustling and trying to make things happen. So you can't question the the attitude and effort. But to answer your question, it remind me that bad right now. Yes, they are that bad right now, right now. Andrea? I wanted to say that Elder has has seen what I was telling you. Pizarro gets double team, triple team. The uh, people have figured it out what what Phil is doing. So in this moment, yes, they are bad. They have a possibility to get better. When Campana is back, uh, if we see some changes, but in this moment, they are bad. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> We're Char- not going to lie to our listeners here. Char- Charlie Vice actually had a, had a similar question. He goes, yeah, question. Has anyone told Pizarro he's allowed to pass the ball? The man is always trying to get past two, three defenders and not usually succeeding. So, um, again. That- yeah, listen, and, and that is what you were saying, that people mm-hmm. criticize Pizarro, and I agree with that. He needs to get the ball off his feet quicker. You know... It's going downhill for Pizarro when Andrea starting to criticize him because she's defended him staunchly for <laughs> the first six weeks of the season. So if Andrea starting to change her tune and sing a different tune, well then it's either the sunburn <laughs> is really really intense or you, you know you know it's not uh, been that great for Pizarro. We'll do one more. I mean we've already answered it, but I don't believe I've uh, seen a question from this person before, so I think it's a first time question. Maybe long time listener, first time question asker. It's from Axel Benjamin. He says, any update on Campana? Like we mentioned before, I think he will be in uniform on Saturday, most likely off the bench. Uh, so that does it for the Q&A this week. Ran through it really quickly. 
got hit a whole bunch of the questions. Uh, we appreciate that. Thank you guys again. If we didn't call on your question, uh, stick stick with it. We'll get to you. We just got to make uh, the rounds to try to keep the show um, within reasonable timing. All right, Andrea, you were going to say something. Is it your final thought? Are you ready for your final thought? No, I was going to say if someone gets mad because of what I said in this podcast, Phil Pizarro Joseph, <laughs> I'm going to blame it on uh, on the sunburn that I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but my final, final thought. thought uh, is the U.S. Open Cup is coming up also. We're going to see who Inter-Miami rival is, but my final thought is it's really unfortunate what... Um, football soccer in this country is living with the rights issue because we have seen many complaints about Apple, the cost and all of that. But now we're seeing that the national team is also going to a streaming service, uh, making games unavailable for the national team, men and women. They are not uh, now only available in English in HBO Max and the U.S. Open Cup, the best tournament, the oldest tournament in this country, is only available in Bleacher Report and not all the matches. I think U.S. Soccer needs uh, to be a little bit more intelligent and sell their product better to bring more fans, to bring more profit and to keep their tournaments growing and they are going backwards. People cannot watch the U.S. Open Cup anymore. It's or Some games are only available in streaming or in a Facebook Live or whatever. And that is not growing the game, growing your brand and growing your tournament. And putting the national team also on a streaming platform is not going to help the game grow. Especially when you are bringing the most important tournament in the world to this country. You need to be a little bit more intelligent. So I, that is my final thought, and hopefully that gets better. I think you can still see some of the games on TV in Spanish, though. Which I mean, if we're being yeah, on, Spanish, if, yeah, if we're being yeah, honest, Spanish, Telemundo, yeah. If we're it's being, better. if we're being honest, <laughs> like watching football and soccer, generally speaking, in Spanish is better it's than English. Better, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm fluent in both, and I can tell you. And I was born in the United States, but I can tell you, at least from my stand standpoint or my vantage point, my stance, it's, it's much better yes. listening to it in Spanish. And I, I think yes. there's. Plenty of English-speaking American people, only English-speaking, that will tell you the same thing. They're like, I've seen plenty of people be like, I don't even understand what they're saying in Spanish, but I just enjoy yeah. the, like listening to it in Spanish. So again, but that's just and that is a good tip that you gave because it's true. I I forgot to say that if you want to watch them in Spanish, you can do it on Open TV on National TV in Telemundo. So come uh, on, Andrea, you gotta give a, you gotta give your well-rounded uh, final thoughts. I will end the show on a slightly positive. I guess it's a positive. It's definitely not a negative. People asked, Inter-Miami listened. For the last three seasons, Inter-Miami has sold their jerseys, their apparel, etc., etc. But they have not sold their shorts, despite their very cool color scheme of black and pink. But that has changed this year. You can now find Inter-Miami's La Noche shorts available for sale. They run 60 bucks. You can find them on the MLS store, the Inter-Miami store. They're there in all sizes. I've been asking for... A few years now, I've asked uh, people within the club, why don't they sell the shorts? I think they would sell. I think they would do well. I was told it was like a league and Adidas thing that they that they weren't releasing the shorts because uh, whatever. I guess maybe Adidas didn't think that they would sell. Um, whatever. But somehow it's happened. And I guess maybe this is just like a, a trial. I don't know if it's a trial or if it's going to be something we see every year. But if it is a trial, then 
you know, the numbers have to reflect well on the shorts being sold. So if you want a pair of those nice black and pinks that Inter Miami has debuted this year, you can get yourself a pair. Uh, I don't work for MLS store. I don't work for Inter Miami store. I make no commission off of this. I'm just a soccer nerd, a football <laughs> fanatic. I like Inter Miami's color scheme. I imagine plenty of other people listening to the pod do as well. And they would probably want that for their collection to either use for when they go pay pickup in Doral or pickup in Broward or if they go for a run or if they're just lounging around the house. I think that's a, a good item to add to the collection. And, you know, Inter-Miami fans asked, Inter-Miami listened. So that does it for this week's show. We will leave it there. We'll be back next week before Inter-Miami goes on break just to analyze that match so it'll probably be a much shorter pod next week because we won't have a game to preview but we'll be back next week to recap analyze and look into the match that was against fc dallas so for andrea yanis i am frank Benito. you have been listening to miami total football radio and we'll talk to you guys again